Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And today I'm continuing my acquisition of interviews with seemingly anyone who's anyone involved with Plaid Hat Games. Today joining me is Joe Arthur Ellis from Plaid Hat Games. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks. Really excited to be here. So really excited to talk to you. Yeah, well, I have been following Plaid Hat Games for what feels like forever at this point. And <laughs> this is one of the most storied companies that has uh, been in the, the forefront of tabletop gaming for really the last decade. And you can see all these different ebbs and flows and different trends in gaming, as well as like this really interesting position of having blown up around the time of Mice and Mystics and Dead of Winter, this huge like creative boon at the time, and then of course the acquisition by various companies resulting in Asmodee. Yeah. And then you guys go independent again and you've been around for the majority of it. Like what was your entry point to the Plaid Hat Empire? Uh I was an original super fan just like a lot of the people who a are still yeah, a Doug, yes, just like a lot of people today. So I got uh, involved by being a freelancer and doing the website and uh, just ended up filling whatever need was around. That tends to be how I work in any company. Was and, there a job uh, application or did you actually just like reach out to Colby being like, hey, how can I help out? I want to be part of this thing. Yeah, that's basically it. Like I was, <laughs> I was doing a little Summoner Wars blog with some guys it wasn't a big deal at all but i every week on the podcast i would listen and they'd be like the website's coming soon we swear and i kind of got that feeling like it doesn't seem like seems like it has stalled out to me for uh, as a web developer so i reached out and was like any way i can help i'll do data entry i'll do anything and then within a few weeks i just had taken over the project so <laughs> And uh, yeah, so then it eventually came on staff once it became a company that, you know, was big enough to, to have staff. And uh, yeah, it was with Asmodee for a while, but it was ba basically, um, yeah, one of the original fans of Summoner Wars. It was my favorite game forever. In fact, I probably would have said that. I think Twilight Imperium 4 has finally eclipsed it because I've been so obsessed with that <laughs> new edition of that. Right. It, it's just crazy to take what is like this iconic game that has been around forever and then kind of you know make almost like a statement on the state of the industry and still maintain its identity as the ultimate premier mammothian game uh that has this legendary status so i i can see why there might be an, a bit of an obsession there <laughs> yeah yeah yes i mean be careful because I would be happy to just talk about Twilight Imperium for a whole cast. <laughs> it have nothing to do with me being part of Plat Hat Games. But but then, you know, I've, I also this past year I'm working on Summoner Wars and we're making this new edition. And it's, you know, now I'm coming from a very different perspective than originally. And it's, you know, it's been really been a privilege to work on Colby's game and uh, be a part of, you know, making it and really proud of it and especially working on the app on the on the digital version it's it's kind of like can't believe i'm doing that day to day right now so <laughs> right right well being an in-house developer for this new edition of summoner wars do you feel like 
this is your opportunity as a fan of the game to address like those things that fans always have like oh man this is so great but if only they did (laughs) you know what i would say it is still just at its core it's really uh this edition is still colby's vision and him he's driving it right and so it was because actually you know a lot of our myself and a lot of our play testers we've all spent tons of time over the years like dreaming about exactly the summoner or second edition Mm. uh that we would want but colby also had a vision and we kind of went forward with that and we it was a it was a very intense development process with a lot of play testers giving a lot of honest feedback and reshaping and reshaping until we're really happy with it and uh and a couple some of our toughest uh play tester critics being really happy with it too but but as far as just because it really it's such a new addition, it's not like, oh, we fixed a, a few problems. <laughs> it's it looks different, but it also uh, it's a lot of new rules and a, and a lot of new feel to it and things like that. So, yeah, I got a chance to check it out. In fact, you are the the web developer, app developer for a lot of the digital components over there at Plat Hat Games. And one of the things I recently checked out was the new Summoner Wars app, which is really the the preview of Summoner Wars 2.0. And playing it, I was really struck with just how clean it is as an interface, not just as a digital interface, but the the look of the cards, the overall aesthetic, the, the visual tone has this kind of cool fantasy meets Disney uh, look or kind of like a Penny Arcadian look uh, that, that contrasts heavily with the original identity of the game, but it still has the this creative spirit that I, I really love. But tell me about the development of the app, because that must have been really intimidating. Summoner Wars on its own is a really beloved game. Add on to that, that the Summoner Wars adaptation, the original one, for a lot of people was the definitive way of playing Summoner Wars. That was one of the (laughs) original board games that had a digital version where people were talking about it all the time. So, you know, what, what were some of your goals going into that project? Okay, so it's it's really interesting. So we are an indie board game company, mm-hmm. and if you're an indie board game company, you have to just roll with the punches, I'd say, <laughs> and like you got to look for opportunities and go for it. I guess that's just business in general, really. Mm-hmm. It's like you you take punches, you try to punch, you punch the wall, and you just hope to break through somewhere. And when you break through, that's where we're going, you know. So. When we announced that we were relaunching, we were really focused on. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, forgot, I almost said something that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. Oh, on okay. Jerry's <laughs> next game, on Jerry's next game, and uh, and on Forgotten Waters, and there was just a flood of excitement that we didn't, you know, try to bring out very much at all of Summoner Wars and Ashes. Mm-hmm. new additions and we and we really with minimal resources were able to relaunch ashes like nick uh who uh who is now on staff is is our real two-player specialist um he kind of uh, as a at that time as a contractor like redid all the ashes cards to you know in 
And uh, we launched it with a lot of like contractor resources and not having to do a lot. And we had a huge response um, partnering with Team Covenant to do a subscription to bring it back. And so now, and meanwhile, COVID's happening. So I built, I, I learned this JavaScript package called boardgame.io and um, was building things like we have a way to play Forgotten Waters remotely with it. And and I've made a Summoner Wars playtest thing. And so because I was gaining those skills, I'm like, well, this is an experiment. Let's build a rules enforced app because I, I don't, it's not like I have, experience with you know as a video game designer or anything and meanwhile the forgotten waters comes out and people aren't just saying this app for forgotten waters you know it's required app game with a required app if you if for people who don't know wasn't just passable they were like this is one of the best uses of an app and i was like you know i was not expecting that so you just kind of tiptoe in and we had, you know, it started as an experiment, but literally just in the last few weeks, we, add, we were adding sound and music and some, and, and even the AI was really just came out of nowhere the last few weeks. And so all of a sudden it started to look like this legit project. I, I and, love this. This is yeah. this kind of like, you know, almost like garage rock and roll punk band sort of fly by the seat of your pants mentality. You know, everyone is wearing a different plaid hat over at the HQ. There. <laughs> and you you could have fooled me uh, that, that this was something that you just kind of developed your skills and took a crack at it because it, it comes off as really professional and it, it really polished. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was like, it, was it very intentional that you developed these as web-based apps as opposed to, you know, something that I go into my phone and go to the app store and download something there? It sounds like maybe this was, you know, just serendipitous that it worked out this way, but you were doing it the only way you knew how? Or tell me about that. that that's exactly it. That's just my background. <laughs> and I am not, I, most of the programmers I've ever worked with love you know, in our grade at like learning new technology and I'm really not, I'm more of a, the stuff I know I can get more mileage out of than anybody. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm using react and JavaScript and things I build it, but, uh, I've really been working at, um, uh, some tech that is going to help us actually, this is, this was kind of announced on a couple episodes on the podcast, but it's still, unofficial but we are i mean we're gonna have summoner wars online basically be there will be a mac and windows app like application uh that will be able to transfer the code pretty easily hoping to launch it with the official launch of the service uh so we'll be able to do that I, like i said it's all unfolding before us as we as we work on it which is how stuff has worked with me a lot because we originally had you know well if if xyz happens we could do like a single player campaign but then bistro just last week like submitted a uh, bistro is another another staff member who does the fiction and stuff uh plaid hat uh he submitted like for sort of the first proposal for the first for one of the summoners and, and what their campaign would look like you know, five or six like battles, basically. Sure, sure, sure. In, in sequence with special rules and things, and uh, story moments where they're talking to each other, Japanese RPG style. 
And, uh, and it, it was like, this is awesome. We are definitely doing this. <laughs> so we're hoping that, yeah, this app in general on steam and on the web can be kind of a punch through the wall kind of thing for us. And, and that it's something a lot of people can enjoy. We really think we can get people in with that single player stuff and, you know, I don't know. When I was a kid, I that's what I wanted to do, of course, design video games. And uh, I was, it's very surreal that I'm sort of doing that now in a very indie lo-fi way. Yeah, and <laughs> I imagine that wasn't exactly the career trajectory that you were thinking of when you were a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed adult who, you know, maybe said, eh, I'm not going to end up being the video game designer working for Squaresoft with a new Final Fantasy title or something like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was, you know, I mean, even working for play, and I, I actually I don't play video games much anymore. I mostly <laughs> do board games. I mean, it's like tabletop simulator on Steam. I think I have, you know, so many, probably over a thousand hours, and then so literally zero other hours. <laughs> so how did you get looped into the actual game design work? Because you're listed as a co-designer on Forgotten Waters. You're not just a developer. You're not just the app developer. You are part right. of the, the bones, the structure of that game. And then, in fact, the new DLC, what, Kraken's Eye? You are, you know, one of the lead designers on that. So... Did you just get roped in like anything else? Like, hey, we need we need a person, we need a perspective, and you've contributed enough. You are part of the the bones here, or was it something uh, that that had a little bit of a different flavor to it? My advice to anybody who wants to get involved in board game professionally is just find a small company you love and start pitching in. Because <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly it, and and look for opportunities to help more. You know, you could do that by playtesting. Hopefully, again, soon, you'll be able to do it by, you know, volunteering at a con or something. But um, basically, I, yeah, I started, when I came on staff, I took over the playtesting. And at first, I was just, like, administering it, you know, just helping get data in and get files out to people. And, you know, slowly, I got little developer credits here and there. I wrote some scenarios that are back at the back of the Dead of Winter Long Night rulebook that people really enjoyed. Eventually I came up with a very wacky, crazy uh, marketing idea that eventually became the game Raxon. Right, and I remember uh, uh, doing an interview with, uh, maybe it was Isaac and Colby at the time where they were doing the, the whole viral marketing thing and they're like, we won't answer any questions about Raxon. We don't know what that is. I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I guess uh, we'll see how this plays out. <laughs> Yeah, and that and that that's a whole topic <laughs> as far as the positives and negatives of that. But that got me into design because uh, you know we ended up kind of needing a game for that, and so I ended up designing the game for. Really, I designed a marketing thing, and then ha ended up having to design the game. And so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of eventually I worked with Isaac so much. He was literally at my house staying for Colby's wedding and I pitched him the idea of Forgotten Waters. And I mean, it's the favorite thing I've ever done professionally is, you know, get to talk to Isaac every day over Skype and and uh, build that game together. So it was really me and him just co-worked on it. And then eventually we brought Bistro in and he just transformed the game with his writing and his his style. So 
he ended up uh, being a co-designer too. Talk to me about the collaborative process. I mean, I, I, I'm really familiar with Mr. Bistro's, you know, narrative <laughs> prowess. I mean, that, that narrative identity is like a, a continuity that you can follow throughout all of Plaid Hat games. But, you know, when you're working with Isaac, like what's your role as co-designer here? Is he saying, here's kind of my idea for how we'll handle skill checks in this. And then you're saying, eh, what if we did it this way? Or, you know, is it just a new project every day? Both of you bouncing ideas off of each other? Uh, for us, it was for the first few months, I kind of led the project while he had other things to do. And, um, and so we would talk and discuss and bounce things, but really somebody had their hand on the steering wheel the whole time. So, and then uh, eventually after I switched to just like an Asmodee web team, he took over and, but then it was just the opposite, right? We talk and discuss and maybe we both got a play test in, but at that point then he's making the final decision and printing out the prototype and getting the plays in. And I honestly thought like, if you know, Isaac, he's, he, he definitely presents as, more of um I can't remember left brain right brain but more of an art the artistic right, side right. first and less analytical and I'm definitely the opposite so I thought it would be I'm doing all the detail work all of the nitty gritty you know balance I thoughts and he's got the big ideas and the narrative and it really wasn't like that at all if, if it was like that at all it was like 60 40 40 60 uh and I think hopefully that's just a testament to us both that we can do both, but it really wasn't the point didn't end up being, Oh, we have complementary sort of brain skills. Sure. It sure, was sure. really, I just think, you know, if you can find somebody, if you're a good listener and you can find somebody else who's a good listener <laughs> and you enjoy talking to each other, then it's super, super easy. And it's probably, I think it, the hardest thing in game design is just iteration and not being satisfied and keep going and don't give up when it sucks. And probably that, you know, having a co-designer helps with that uh, because you kind of have each other to lean on in those uh, dark moments when you doubt everything you've built. <laughs> well, whatever you did, I think worked really well. What struck me most about Forgotten Waters is how cohesive it feels like Plat Hat Games, I, I think, as a company, has been a company that swings for the fences and isn't afraid at, like, tacking on extra things just to get these, like, really cinematic moments, these really thematic, you know, uh, I, I guess apexes to your game session that you're like i can't believe the game supported us doing that you know we had <laughs> individual components that allowed us to really lean into that no other company would do that and i felt like forgotten waters was in some ways like the culmination of this old school desire to provide those really really high impact moments but still having a, a concise structure that that's consistent and fluid in order to tackle all sorts of different things and you can wrap it into a, a rule book that's shorter than most euro games yet this is like this big adventure with all kinds of different scenarios that you can get into i, I was really impressed with how polished it came out and to me it kind of represents like this new 
mission statement for Plaid Hat Games, what you are going to be going forward and how you're going to approach some of the, the iconic games of the past. And you mentioned Ashes earlier is coming back. We have Summoner Wars on the horizon. Uh, before I, I spend too much time talking about the future, though, I do want to kind of just get like your perspective on when you guys were at Asmodee and then Colby's talking to you about like, what if... We're no longer a part of Asmodee. When I talked to him, he had to be a bit diplomatic about the situation. So, like, were you worried? Were you excited? This was a big part of your identity. You've been working with the company since 2012. Yeah. Well, it it was, um, like, here's here's the thing. Like, Asmodee, like, I don't think anybody, any of us would ever say anything bad about the people there, like, from person to person standpoint, they were so generous and awesome. And like the, with Raxon, for example, like they let us do that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they were part of a giant, you know, I mean, we had already, we we're far down the road, but they'd easily, I mean, we hadn't started printing or anything. They could have stopped it. Um, and they let us do that despite being like a big corporation. And that's because the people there totally, you know, did right by us at every turn. But uh, but it wasn't, you know, but I would I think it's easy to look at, you know, our release history and what hits and what and what doesn't to see that it wasn't working from uh, it wasn't working the way everybody wanted it to work, you know, from just a release standpoint and us launching games successfully the way we were before we were acquired and even supporting games like Ashes and stuff. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, Colby talked to me first and was just like, he didn't talk to me first, like before other people. But the first time he talked to me, uh, you know, he was just telling me what he was thinking. And I was part of, I mean, I wasn't really in Planet Games at the time I was working for Asmodee directly. So I was like, that sounds great. And I mean, I would, I don't, I, I was honest. I was like, I would consider. I was tossing ideas at him and saying I would consider just sort of um, quitting and working as a freelancer because, you know, I would really want to support you. And I think within 24 hours of that, it, you know, it's like, oh, uh, actually, I really want to uh, <laughs> have you on the team after thinking about it some more. So I've always just been such a utility person. Uh, so I was excited. I mean, we were going to get to make Forgotten Waters. And so it was very scary, but I knew that that was our best chance to um succeed and that, once again by the way that goes to the generosity of the you know of the individuals at asmodee that you know they would you know they invested lots of money into that game as far as staff time working on it and stuff so the fact that i don't i have no clue of the details but you know the fact that we had that right, to right, go right. with and launch after after the fact was uh, great and they're and they've you know they're our distributor for that game and they're you know super excited for us when it when it was uh, a hit so so yeah it was cra- I mean at that time it was Colby was in Texas and then the next thing I know he's saying yeah we might move here in Ohio here in Ohio here in Ohio next thing I know he's here in my town and I'm working <laughs> in the office with, I mean actually for a while at first he was literally coming into my house uh before we had the office because you know he was uh 
he didn't have a workspace at his temporary living arrangement. And uh, so we were, you know, all of a sudden I'm just sitting in a room with Colby and we are developing Summoner Wars second edition. Like it was very, all of the sudden, who could have guessed four months ago. So, so is Summoner Wars second editions uh, an idea that was specifically born out of the the independence from Asmodee? Like at that time, you guys were looking at, well, a lot of the titles are going to stay with Asmodee. However, we have some of these properties and what is more iconic to Plat Hat Games than the first game that kind of created Plat Hat as a company? Yeah, I think if you look at the art, the, the thing Colby wrote when we relaunched, mm-hmm. there's like a line that references oh, maybe another Summoner Wars, but it wasn't really until, the, you know, as we rolled that out and people were just Summoner Wars Ashes, Summoner Wars Ashes, Summoner Wars Ashes, that it was like, oh, we're, we need to move on this once again to match the theme of the interview. Like, you just roll with the punches and like, oh, that's okay. That's the direction we should go. Let's completely uh, invest a ton of time and energy into that because we need to turn, and that's what you could do when you're an independent company. So you can turn on a dime and, and uh, you have that advantage. So, yeah, it was... I think and I, I think Colby probably had done some work, but not in any rush. And then, boom, it's what we were doing. <laughs> so let's have some Doug talk here. You know, as as the giant fan of Summoner Wars that that brought your attention to Plat Hat Games in the first place. Like, what are some of the the changes that are happening to the system right now that you think are the the most innovative and exciting? changes that respect the the original structure of summoner wars that you love so much but kind of breathes a new life into it for you really so the first edition summoner wars the first half of the decks that came out uh were um over time as we understood the game more like became more and more unbalanced uh and you know like as the first, the very first decks, it's realistically, you know, there's just unplayable cards and then there's way too awesome cards. Right, right. And, and the app, while being a great, uh, way to play the game a ton, helped expose some of that because, you know, we, we got really good at the game because of the ability to play it so much. And you can collect a ton of data from that. I imagine like you can see what factions are winning more often than others, what cards are being played, that kind of stuff. The second half of decks, the, you know, we really worked hard to make strategies more balanced and, and uh, commons and being aggressive work better than it did in the first half of the games. But a lot of the cards are a nightmare to read. And I think like the true, like core super fans of Summoner Wars, they love those decks, mm-hmm. but they, they're pretty unapproachable for a new player. I mean, totally. in fact, when we went to develop the second edition and you're looking for inspiration, sometimes there would be cards I would look at from towards the end and just be like, I don't even know what, like this relies on some other card that i'm not looking at to make sense and some meta like situation in the within the meta of the game that i don't remember and thus i don't know what the point of this card is so the second edition uh is thanks to new rules and things it's allowing us to 
have that aggressive, common, friendly style of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but with a really streamlined, clear, I mean, earlier you, you were talking about it being like a clean visually, and it's also a clean, very clean system now too, where we can make timing windows and things like that very clear and effects very simple and clear and yet have it be the style of game that you know in summer wars one we really had to go the long way around to get to get the kind of game play we wanted out of it Mm, in fact in some ways i'd say we're bringing the fun of the last for anybody who played them which really is not many people of the last few decks into you know a simpler kind of reset system that's easy to understand so that's not like a one specific thing (laughs) right right but that's kind of the more abstract i mean it practically we're we build in things called boost tokens active events um and uh, uh you know being able to track magic without tying it to actual physical cards in a pile these are all things that let us do a lot more and let us stretch the system in, in more unique ways than having to add rule cards and, and really long things of text and things like that. It's it's really beneficial. I mean, I was looking at the preview we put up today. The two cards were in events that are like, units move one fewer space, and then the other one was force a, force a unit towards you and your summoner gets plus one attack. And I'm like, so proud of those cards because it's like wow what a simple effect that anybody can understand but it has a clear purpose in the deck and um and it just gets the gameplay goals out of you know out of the system that we're looking for so it's that's the kind of stuff i really like (laughs) yeah well like you said the the cleanliness of the system when i was playing the the demo online it's so rare that you can learn a, a complex head-to-head card game as you play it. Uh, but the tutorial system, just through playing a game, uh, makes it so easy and approachable to, to sit down and be like, okay, Kling does this. You know, I haven't touched Summoner Wars in ages. I remember picking up the Tundra Orcs versus <laughs> Phoenix Elves. Uh, you know, I played some after that, like when a master set came out, but you know, it's been a while since I've really dived into it and having some of the, the old things come back and then also being like, is this, is this new? It certainly feels a lot easier to get into now than it did in the past, but is this a new thing or did I just kind of forget that this was here? So for <laughs> as far as the layman, I felt familiarity with it, so it felt true to the original spirit, but you know, from the the streamlined approach to it to the the visual identity, like everything felt new and really invigorating. What's Plaid Hat's scope for the game that that you guys want to achieve? Like, of course, you want to sell a bajillion units. You want it to be the most popular thing in the world. Every Magic the Gathering player flops over to the side <laughs> of, you know, playing Summoner Wars. But, like, uh, are you guys envisioning that this is going to be a, a tournament structure game? You're going to be supporting a lot of that style of play? Is this going to be more of 
like a, a boxed LCG thing where you think people are just going to have it as one more board game on their shelf. Yeah, it's you know, it's like I could tell you what we want, but once again, it would be like, well, suddenly it comes <laughs> yeah. out and it's received this way, and we have to have to turn. It's so Ashes is definitely more. I I don't know why. I don't don't know if it's inherent to the game or it's just how things played out. But Ashes is definitely the more the game that's more like this is my game. And there, I've got a whole community, and we just talk about this game all right, the time. Right. And and Summoner Wars, in a sense, has it's had its very small, very hardcore audience that I was a part of. But it's always kind of been, in my opinion, the two-player expandable battle game for people who don't, who aren't that into two-player expandable battle games. Um, it, I think, it was pretty. Um, innovative in its in its pick up and play mm -hmm. sort of nature when it first came out i think that that really i think it really changed a lot of companies approaches in designing these kind of games you know that you could just get a deck and that's it and you've got it and that seems i guess that seems second nature now is like if you're playing unmatched or you know whatever game but i think at the time that you know that was such an appeal to me like wow <laughs> yeah you don't have to go through all the effort of deck building and everything you know like right you, you could sit down and play yeah 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 i mean even i mean now even Ma magic wasn't doing I, I don't think they're doing it because of summoner wars but <laughs> <laughs> magic now has decks that you could just buy that are ready to play against each other and stuff that didn't exist at the time i don't think you know right um and so, but as a result, to answer your question, like, I, I'm not sure that we'll see. I, I think that we're more likely to play into this, the traditional strength of Summoner Wars, which is, yeah, somebody at a game store who play is more of an Omni gamer, mm -hmm. you know, picks that up. And that's just, that's the two player expandable game in their collection. But, um, but it, it's, they love to just pick up a deck and play once in a while, you know, and then, and then our, that hardcore audience is, is the, the smaller, more dedicated thing. But I mean, we definitely have ideas for, um, for tournament packs, right, but right. we, we, I know as a, in a general, we have a goal to make things more player driven. So those would probably be made available to, to players under certain circumstances so that you know they can get it together we definitely when we can want to do you know tournaments in semi-locally in cleveland or columbus or something like that um and uh definitely i think we'll be doing stuff online with tournaments and things and that's you know that that accommodates a smaller player base a lot better when you know magic it's pretty much magic if you go to a, a store it's hard to build a whole big community otherwise so now the storyline and single player elements of the app if that takes off do you envision creating some sort of physical automated version you know cooperative mm. game for summoner wars is that even entertained at all some people just like playing with their paper, but they love their cooperative games. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I don't know. It's it's so so some of this is I, I found it the other day. Like I went back to our archived news and found a single player scenario I created for 
for Summoner Wars back in like t- t- 2013 or something. <laughs> and I and it was like, this is kind of the starting point of this stuff. So I, I love designing solo stuff. I've got, you know, Raxon plays solo, Forgotten Waters has a solo boat. Um, so, but I don't know. We'll, we have to see. It's it's really easy to code this stuff, you know, when you have the system built. Right, right. Uh, we we have the same problem with Forgotten Waters. Uh, you know, we had said like, oh, we want to try to do PDF versions. We would never play it like this, but if you really want... Mm-hmm. You know, to play without an app, we we're in, and we still have that, you know, on the to do list. But I don't know when it's going to get done because it's it's hard to translate that. Look, if someone is playing based <laughs> off of a PDF with Forgotten Waters, they are missing out on the wonderful voice acting, chanting "Lil Gertie, yeah. Lil Gertie, Lil <laughs> Gertie." And to me, exactly. that was one of the highlights of sitting down to play that game in the several sessions that we've played so far. Just like I, I really adore the the voice acting that was put together uh, for that whole system. Well, I, I know that you have uh, a new DLC that's available yeah. for uh, for this, or you know, right on the horizon. It we it comes out on the nineteenth, March nineteenth. So. Okay, so uh, yeah. as of us talking, it is right on the horizon and is uh, available for reviewers. And then you have uh, Ashes and Summoner Wars, which are not too far away in and of themselves. What other things are kicking around at Plaid Hat that you can share? You you teased a, a Jerry game, and I, I'm yeah. not going to pressure you too hard for that. But like, yeah. what other pies do you have your fingers in? Yeah, get, Jerry's game is still shrouded in secrecy, so they, we've avoided really all all descriptions, even on the podcast and stuff. So that that shall remain as it is. Uh, but yeah, Ashes is, should be arriving behind me in the warehouse there this literally this week and we'll probably spend all day doing manual labor uh <laughs> getting that out to you know everybody who needs it um so to tease something i would say uh i'm really going for it with this digital stuff so like i said i hope to have some wars on steam and i've we've started just brainstorming about what more we could do with Forgotten Waters in that realm, in in that like fully digital realm, what would that look like? And we have all this, like you said, great voice acting, you know, um, all directed and put together by Donald Schultz and, uh, and all the art assets. And it's like this rich storytelling where I feel like there, we did so much work, putting so many entries, there's probably still entries that literally no one has accessed. You know, because we wrote so much stuff. So many variables. Yeah. And and that literally, you know, the audio, Donald's the only person who's ever heard it still. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, can we do something fully digital with Forgotten Waters? And that, like I said, that's more of something we've been brainstorming. But I think it it could end up being really cool and, and something people would enjoy a lot. So... That's, I mean, I've almost said everything there is about it. I'm not really holding back. It's just a brainstorming thing for now. So, <laughs> well, as we've heard throughout this interview, that those brainstorming things start to gain momentum and suddenly 
one person or another is in charge of it, whether you're, you know, the exactly. head of game development there or you're someone who's just doing some freelancing. And that's kind of the creative heart of Plaid Hat that has been on display ever since the original Plaid Hat podcast went live and it just felt like it was a collaborative effort between friends who had mutual respect for one another, wanted to give each other a hard time over <laughs> their, their game yeah. references and, and just make really cool things. And uh, I, I feel like it's, um, it, it's just a, a great another chapter uh, to be able to talk to you about all of this, Joe. So thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, everyone out there, I'll have links to all of the most recent media that I can regarding all of the projects that we talked about. Uh, if you haven't checked out Forgotten Waters yet, it is a phenomenal adventure game and is worth diving into. And of course, we have Kraken's Eye as a DLC that is coming out March 16th, 18th? 19th. 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 It is the 16th. We're recording this on the 16th. <laughs> it is coming out March 19th. So thank you once again for coming on to the show, Joe. Hey, thank you. It's a ton of fun talking to you. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website, CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience-supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.